Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the LIBF podcast, Financial Advisor podcast. Sorry, kind of missed that, the Financial Advisor bit. Flipping it. Um, so today we've been, uh, well, we're missing David Owen again. Uh, you know, we're talking about Scarlet Pimpernels earlier on, really, Martin, and, and David Owen is without question one of those, do you not say? No, I just think I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's just a very busy and very important man these days. He's just so important. I, 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 we do have we we follow in his wake of <laughs> importance, really. So. <laughs> Oh dear. So anyway, you've already gathered. Martin's with us today. So Martin Clark from Landmark IFA. How are you doing, Martin? Are you okay? Yeah, good. Thank you, John. It's Friday. Yeah. So, it, it, uh, and it's obviously party season. <laughs> I have no idea what you're on about. We'll <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, all you need to know on this pod is that we need to talk in hushed tones today. <laughs> <laughs> That's just because I'm a delicate flower, John, as you know. <laughs> uh, and also the lovely Nicola Barker. How are you doing, Nicola? I'm great, but I'm keeping my voice down for Martin. Yes, yeah. it's very delicate. Mm-hmm. Very delicate. I think I, I think uh, lots of aspirin and a, and a and a nice cushion to lie on, I think, <laughs> after the podcast. I'll probably help him. So there we go. Anyway, so we've, we, we, we assembled this podcast Um uh, as soon as we could after the autumn statement, at the request of David Owen, who can can still then subsequently couldn't join us this afternoon, um, but that's no problem at all. So we're recording this uh, on Friday. The oh my word, God, what is the date today? Friday, twenty fifth, twenty fifth of November. Uh, so oh my God, that means a month till Christmas Day, of course. So you know, <laughs> time to get excited. Literally a month, and I've got zero presents at the moment. I'm sure you've got. I, I bet Nicholas are all organised and done, aren't you? Do you know what I am? <laughs> and, and that is through design rather than accident, because um, I because I was so busy last year, and it was just oh crikey. So uh, this year I thought, no, nope, I'm not. I'm not leaving it to last minute. So I'm pretty much there give or take so um and obviously quite smug with it <laughs> oh, uh, you know it, I, I can almost feel the smugness coming across the screen here today so yes uh martin are you, are you, are you, do you get involved in such matters or are you sort of <laughs> uh, I, I must admit I'd, I'd love christmas john yes i do get involved uh but this year we you know we last year we bought a lot online as i'm sure a lot of people did and whatever and that sort of stuff this year we've done a little bit of online but i've actually booked a couple of days off to go christmas shopping this year so wow. yeah trying to do it properly you know and and the days i've booked off isn't christmas eve either you know oh so, god uh, right okay so, so you've broken that you've broken the man sh- man shopping uh dilemma which is like do it all in an afternoon and as close to Christmas as possible. You're not doing that. You've got two days for it. Yeah, two separate days in two separate weeks, and uh, going to do Christmas properly this year. Oh, so. good for you. That sounds yeah. amazing. Well, and it's funny you should mention that as well when you said last year. So, I mean, you know, what a 12 months we've had. So, you know, and the, which has led to this autumn statement, I think. That's probably a, a good a segue as we can think about, because last year we were still in all sorts of restrictive measures following COVID. Although we, you know, we had the light at the end of the tunnel at that point, didn't we? It was getting mm. to the point where, you know, things were getting a little bit easier and you could visit relatives in, you know, in restricted forms and what have you. But, you know, retail wise, it was difficult because everything was online. That landscape's changing back to more face to face again, I think. And, you know, that, but that didn't stop a, 
us where being where we are with, uh, you know, officially now in recession, which, of course, we weren't yeah. last pod. Um, we are, uh, you know, the, the, the our new chancellor, our current chancellor. I think Jeremy Hunt's here to stay, I think, for a while. I don't think he seems to be going anywhere. If it, You know, from a politician's point of view, he seems pretty settled in the role pretty quickly, if you ask me. I think he's, you know, I think this is what we've got now. Um, and in, I, 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 taking away all the detail, and we'll get into the detail in a second. Does, do you feel he steadied the ship a little bit, guys? What do you think? Steadied the ship. Yeah. Do you know what? I, it, I wouldn't say I, it's rock in a hard place is mm. the phrase that comes to my mind rather than steady the, the, the ship because doesn't matter what you do you know we are where we are economically in in recession as you say inflationary rates as we know um and so doesn't matter what you do you've got to do something but doesn't matter what you do it's that rock in a hard place you know um and uh, you know it's just you know when you think about through previous um and, you know, even you can remember back in the day, we had sort of like post the, you know, the 2008 crisis and, you know, austerity, austerity, austerity. And it's almost like, but we are, you know, in a similar environment, but nobody seems to be using this, you know, these words, austerity, you know. So it's almost like austerity through the back door, <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. But um, it, it is tough. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Martin? I would say um, that, let, let's be fair, that the ship that the chap came into um, on the back of sort of truss and carting and whatever, and j- just to completely undo almost everything that was delivered before, you know, you couldn't fail to steady it. I mean, he, he, he came into the Bermuda Triangle, didn't he, this chap? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, it's what he's put in. I think it's one of those things where, you know, you, you just look in for the first time. Dave and I, you, you remember the emails. Dave and I swamped some emails and we said, oh, we reckon this is what's going to happen and that's what's going to happen. I don't think you really needed to be much of an economist to know what you was going to do. Mm, no. True. You know, because there's only so many things. It was all about um, the speed that they was going to try and rectify UK's problem, really. And, you know, we've had one lot that wanted to do everything over six months. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it was a, and but disaster. Yes. Completely at a different angle, total mm. disaster. And and this looks like a slightly longer term plan. But if you look at the figures that they've put behind it, you know, actually it, it looks like our deficit could reduce quite quickly. Mm. Um, you know, with, with the things they've put in. So mm. yeah, I suppose it's you could say it steadied the ship, but if you look at the markets sort of separate, I think the markets built a lot of this in anyway, mm. because You've seen them as well as I have, sort of, oh, yeah. you know, the last week or so. They're they're popping up at a decent rate, so it's it's interesting, job. Definitely, I mean, and, and and you're right, you know, when you look at the the way, it's not it's not just the markets, the lenders especially are very sensitive to these sorts of things. But now all of a sudden, the fixed rates that they were worried about that was troubling the mortgage market, you know, um, for 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 some number of weeks. Um, and really did plunge, plunge the residential and commercial lending markets into absolute turmoil, of which the commercial markets haven't really recovered from. They're still really struggling to catch up. But a lot of these fixed rates now in the residential market that had disappeared or were going up and up and up exponentially are now actually starting to come down. Mm. And that's very indicative of a 
brighter outlook, I think, from being able mm-hmm. to secure finance at a, at a more steady rate. Because the long-term view is that it's not out of control. And it feels like, although you know, not in a great position, it does feel like it's a little bit more in control. So let's let's talk about a couple of these finer points then, really, guys. And I think, um, you know, I, I think when we look at um, taxation, I think it's probably the best uh, place to start. Um, you know, I think it's good news that state pension pay payments and means-tested disability benefits have increased by 10.1. So they've kept those in line with inflation. I think that's obviously been critically um, very important. Um, the 45% additional rate of income tax um, will be paid on earnings above now 125,114 instead of 150,000. That's made a bit of a, a difference. We'll talk about that in a second. And income tax personal allowance will remain frozen for two years, which does have a real big impact on practically mm. everybody, doesn't it? So those are the real key ones. And of course, the main national insurance and inheritance tax thresholds will also be frozen for two years. So um, generally speaking, those um, that, certainly the freezing those allowances, guys, um, you know, Martin, you were obviously, look, you've been really crunching the figures on this. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, we're we're over a week down the line now of, of this. So I, I think sort of a lot of people, sort of people that are listening to this podcast would have read various different sort of, you know, updates on, on what's gone on and whatever and that sort of thing. A lot of people have made a, you know, a big deal of the, the sort of supposed on, on actual paid 60% tax uh, now, you, you know, mm-hmm. they, they've re- reduced the high rate threshold. Um, I think it's... It, it, it throws opportunities open, John, or, or not opportunities, but needs for good planning. Um, yeah. You know, so there, there's, you know, the, the freezing of the thresholds we're used to, because, mm. you know, you'll remember sort of the uh, the Osborne Cameron era where, where they started to freeze inheritance tax thresholds and, and, and things like that. This, this stealth tax is something that we're, we're kind of used to now. Um, but it does, it's, it's about now really, well, there's two sets of people, isn't there? You know, there's, as I said, I think in one of these podcasts before, this is kind of yet another statement stroke budget that's that's widened the gap between the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can see what they've put in place. They, they've tried to sort of um, make the people with a broader shoulders pay slightly more tax, but there's still, to me, a wide girth between you know, the, the people that are going to pay the more tax and the people that are really struggling down at the bottom. Mm. Um, so the means that for me, the, the thing that sort of sticks out for me is if only we could get our means testing working properly in the UK. So things like, you know, where we're going to pay the additional, um, we're going to pay the additional energy amount and it's going to go to everybody for a certain amount. Now, I wonder how many of those people that don't need it would actually write a check out to their local food bank. Or something yeah, that yeah. kind. If we could only get a means testing system that that wasn't so expensive to police, mm. it wouldn't it wouldn't mean that we had to give something to everybody and a lot of people that don't need it. Mm. So it, you know, it's a, so look, loads of it. I've got all the detail and all the depth when we want to go into it here. You know, because I'm a yeah, yeah. like that. Oh, well, no, don't worry. I mean, I think one of those. The one that plays into that, Martin, for me is the same, you know, it's the council tax increase as well across all, you know, when you when you look at the fact that that is like across the board, obviously, you know, the the, the properties and higher bands pay more. We know that. okay, But, you know, obviously that's the version of means testing in the council tax brackets and what have you. But actually, it's still a hell of a hike for those that are in smaller properties 
that would then still have to pay a considerable hike on what they're already uh, paying. But of course, it's not a headline because it's kind of hidden by, you know, it's not the it's not the government that's doing this. It's the councils that are doing this. And that feels a little bit off to me, uh, you know. And what extra benefit are they getting for those at that, that price hike, really? When they and we're now to... having we're now having councils, aren't we, that are declaring themselves bankrupt? Yeah, because you know it's it's a strange situation. But Nicola's phrase earlier is right. You know, it's very easy for us to pick apart what's been put in, but it is a rock and a hard place, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, That's the how on earth do you balance it and get it right? It's very very difficult. Mm. Nicola, your views on that? You know, I I, I agree with everything that you know you, you've said so far. I think. Um, and, you know, sort of taking Martin's point, you know, there is a clear distinction, uh, you know, sort of the haves and the haves not, but actually it's becoming more grayed and more blurred because those who are, and I'm going to use the word average, but you've got to take it in the spirits intended, you know, that average household of actually being brought into this, mm. um, and, and at a sooner point. So, um, I, you know, it, it, and I think, um, again, going back to what Martin was saying, I think, you know, from a planning perspective, there is so much conversation to be had right now. Um, and, and obviously I'm not, you know, we've, we've had this detail for a week, but, um, and, and I'm not sort of saying, you know, sort of, uh, say putting the sort of the timer on it, saying, right, you know, but, but actually, we are on a countdown between now and the tax year end to have effective conversations with people and conversations to be had because of the nature of the changes that are coming post April. So, um, so yeah, it is. It, it's 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 hard. Yeah, it, you know. Well, we're in a good space at the moment from an from an advance advisor point of view, and and certainly, you know, when we're talking to our clients as it stands at the moment you know we've got plenty of notice i think in a lot of respects because the things are being frozen um you know it doesn't feel like people's pockets have been hit at the moment because well let's put it let's be frank about it they people's pockets are being hit by things that feel like out outside of their control so energy price is a good example of that where it's a war therefore that's not anybody's not our problem not a uk government problem that's a global problem or you know i i the phrase i i i really irritates me that you know when people bang on about it is that um, oh you know well we're still showing better than 90 percent of all the other countries in the world right okay well but which frankly are you know it's difficult to prove and generally not true um you know it's very difficult to back up those sorts of statistics but actually it doesn't matter what with what other countries are feeling it's the people that we're talking to today that are really struggling with this stuff right now um, so really, Martin, then, you know, we're talking about financial advisors and we're talking about taxation. Um, you know, if we're planning for these people now to take a hit in the next two years, what sort of conversations can advisors be having with their clients when it comes to sort of actually, you know, what do these numbers actually mean and what can we do to help get the best out of it for them? OK, well, you, you know, first of all, whenever I think whenever we freeze an allowance or whatever, we're not hitting the pocket, we're picking it. Really, <laughs> you, you know, because it's it's one of those things, isn't it, where where you just you know it's, it's almost via the back door. It, it's a, it's a, a cheeky way of doing it. So that when if we look at the things, certainly from a financial planning perspective, we're looking at the change to the capital gains tax allowances, for example. So people have now got to be far more aware 
of what's going on sort of in terms of transactions within unit trusts and OIX and things of that kind when they're looking to sort of move money out from those into their ISA they're going to have sort of a smaller amount that they can move out before they start to get hit with a capital gains tax and you've got to bear in mind that's twofold as well because it's dropping once and then it's dropping again isn't mm. it so you know we, we've got staggered planning that we, we've got to do with these people so you know having having an annual review with your clients now is is well first of all it, everybody should be doing that you know mm. I, I, you know i've met so many advisors sort of certainly not in my company recently but at different events where they seem to be trying to find reasons not to meet someone on an annual basis and it's just you know, be, because of costs and things of that kind and whatever but you know that, that's what we get paid for you, you know this is so you know so cgt is definitely one of them uh dividend allowance um, obviously, you know, that's going and we're not we're not talking huge amounts here. You know, it's going down from two thousand to a thousand into five hundred quid. But, you know, certainly small business owners, limited companies, you know, they're the people that we need to make sure we're in front of. We've got to help them concentrate how they draw their income from their business. So so that type of thing. Um, certainly, if you look at, you know, once again, you know, lifetime allowance, for example, that's, you know, staying frozen. Mm. isn't it now so there, there's there's a lot of opportunities john where um you know we, we just need to as we said get in front of the right people make sure that they've got um an exit strategy for for the funds that they've got because you know i think as time goes on you know people are going to be looking at how can they actually get their money into a position where they can use it later in life mm. as well so once again dave is a big fan of cash flow modeling mm -hmm. i know you know must admit, done a lot of work on that recently. There's some brilliant tools out there, mm. you know, ranging from a, a simple spreadsheet to, to you know, a, a program that does everything for you. Strangely enough, they give you the same answer. Right? <laughs> yeah, they, they are figures in, figures out system. Do you know what I mean? That, that, Absolutely. So, yeah, my spreadsheet that I use is just as good. But, you know, it, mm. it's just having those figures, you know, in the face of your clients now and saying look this is the reality of the situation that you're in you know and, and working out how we deal with it no it's perfect and i've got to say what's i think really fascinating about that and it's really prompted a few things in my mind is um the short-term need versus the long-term need and and you know I, I think i you know obviously there's a lot more people in the uk now as a result of various different things that are happening in their finances that are financially more vulnerable than they used to be. And therefore, it's, you know, I, I think there's a really big opportunity for financial advisors to identify that vulnerability and to coach their clients through a difficult period so that they don't make short-term decisions that can affect them longer term. Hence the reason why cash flow modelling, I think, is absolutely the key to this, to make people see. So, I mean, Nicola, on that theme, really, I mean, you must be seeing this with, um, you know, a, a big group of advisors that are at SJP, mm -hmm. the sort of things they, they, they are talking to their clients about. And then obviously, you know, advisors are facing um a situation there's a big big chunk of advisors who never have really faced a recession like this um, yeah. you know in the past um that kind of coaching what are you finding the, the you know the reactions are and that sort of thing are they finding it um challenging um actually um no the the, the found market volatility more challenging i think yeah. i think the what this has prompted is is almost tax year income early conversations and it's more from the, the, the starting position of, right, let's just um, reassure and see where you are. 
and so um so so most certainly from conversations i've had with with um, partners and advisors that that i come into contact with it's very much this conversation for everybody so so whether it is purely a discussion around how the the revised or frozen income tax brackets will affect you as a household and how what can you do about it um, needs to be you know needs to or oh, those types of conversations are, are being held for um for Martin's touching it sort of you know your 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 corporates or even you know your sole traders or your one man band limited companies you know remuneration structure and how you take your remuneration um and and and, and collaboratively working with somebody's accountant you know is is great conversation to say right okay how do you then restructure potentially both your remuneration and that of your employees but then moving over to folks who you know uh, who have quite you know sort of established portfolios for example then the conversation is well actually does your portfolio and where it's held given the changes for example Martin's you know we talked about CGT changes actually is now the time to really reassess where where your assets are held i.e the wrappers so we talked about ISAs we talked about you know Martin mentioned moving from a unit trust to an ISA and actually you know that there's there's less to move before you incur a CGT liability but then equally we'll probably see a a, a raise in interest for um and if subject to appetite being there um ice bct those types of investments um you know sort of coming back on the agenda if income tax is the driver but but more than that and mm. and i am delighted to say this bringing back investment bonds they'll come back in favor mm. so um so, so, so there's just, you know, like, like I say, there's just so much to be talked about, you know, conversations to be had. Well, I was going to say, so, so let's bring, let's pick up on the investment bond thing. Cause I know this was like a bit of a, okay, an eye opener kind of moment, wasn't it? Um, so, and, and bear in mind, there's an awful lot of people who listen to this podcast who really, didn't work in the world of investment mm. bonds um, from, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, 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 everybody around this table cut their teeth on investment bonds. Let's be fair about it. You know, that was, that was the investment of our day really. So why now then? Why, why mm. investment bonds now? Let's explain to those people. So Martin, do you want to head off with that one or who uh, wants to kick off with it? I, I don't mind. I'll, I'll go with this one. I mean, look, in, investment, I've always been a big fan of investment bonds. I must admit, purely because of, um, you know, the immediate flexibility of being able to take your income from them, you know, and certainly as, as Nicholas quite rightly pointed out, with the freezes in the income tax thresholds, now, you know, now is a good time to be, if you've already got bonds, let's having a look at sort of if you, if you need to release some cash, how much have you taken in the past, you know, because typically the the 5% per annum uh, withdrawal that you can have free of tax will, will help. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see sort of a, a situation where, you know, if people are part surrendering, full surrendering, you know, if they're going to take somebody into that higher tax bracket, you know, we just need, as Nick has said, you know, we just need to be aware 
um, of if it's going to cause them an immediate tax problem by doing so. You know, so but the flexibility is there with them. You know, purely because you've uh, you, you you've got that that facility to be able to take some income. Um, Joe, it's something that struck me. Just sorry, just aside from investment bonds, and this is probably my naivety as a non-economist. Okay, but uh, you know, when you look at this basket of, I was absolutely amazed that this basket of measures alone that they've put in is is due to actually raise thirty four billion a year. Hmm. <laughs> that that struck me as actually there's a lot more money in the country than I thought there was. Yeah. If 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 just by moving. Things like CGT, you know, once again refreezing inheritance mm-hmm. tax thresholds, whatever, thirty-four billion. That's a, you know, that should actually, you know, work us out of deficit. In you know, if if it did, it works out in deficit within a very short period of time. Mm. Um, it, I was amazed. So it, it just struck me that if if we've got that amount of money in the country then people really do need to be getting very close to these allowances. But sorry, you off the subject completely, Nicola. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's good to put the reason in. I, I, I was just having a chat, funny enough, just before we came on this call with a with a a, 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 a trusted colleague who um, works in L&D and worked in training in L&D for, for years and years and years. And, and it's a matter of um, bringing things to life. You know, you can quote regulation, you can quote policy, you can quote taxation rules and all the rest of it but until you talk about actually why you're doing it it doesn't really come home but actually the benefits to the economy of losing that debt out of the uk is absolutely exponentially the most important thing we could possibly do um because it's notoriously difficult to get rid of debt quickly because of the interest that you're paying on it you know the country pays interest on it in the same way that you would do on your mortgage so it's a huge burden on the taxpayer just by paying the interest on 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 in, on uh, national debt so definitely makes a difference um nicola your view on bonds well you know i like a bond but i um, love a bond i love i do love an investment bond well no listen and, and i suppose picking up the the question that you said you know it, for those who don't appreciate what they are Mm. The you know the synopsis the best synopsis I can give to anybody is is simply they're a tax deferral tool, meaning that the tax deferral is to such a point that a trigger happens, whether you're taking funds or cashing it in, and it's all based on your tax status at the time. And so so where where they fell out of favour versus capital gains tax, for example, was because they're taxed they come with a notional tax of twenty percent already being paid. And so with capital gains tax, there was the argument, or and quite rightly, you know, well, if you're a basic taxpayer or if you're a higher taxpayer, anything over and above your capital gains tax allowance is either 10% or, or 20% tax. So that's why unit trusts were in favour. Now, so now we've got this double whammy going on with um, capital gains tax allowances part, and then We've got the additional um, aspect of dividend tax, um, you know, being halved. So that then opens up the door to say, well, actually, there's only so much you can do now with the unit trust before the investment bond element comes back into place. And so, so for me, if I'm having conversations with people who, who haven't really had experience, it's like, okay, so if you think about where, where this would sit, 
it, the, this type of vehicle currently, in my personal view, sits as a really nice segue between uh, sort of those people who they are in the higher tax bracket and they're going to fall into that 60%, you know, the up to £125,000 income. Because actually, and, and, you know, if they are at the stage where they're thinking, right, okay, so I'm kind of maxing all my pensions and I'm not really, you know, sort of I'm up to whatever limits perhaps with my unit trust contributions, where do I go now? It just naturally comes into the conversation because the trigger is when theoretically in the future, when they're not going to be a higher rate taxpayer or if they are, it can be legislated for. And it sits, it's almost because of it being a life and the way it's taxed, it's almost like a, 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 an alternative to a pension contribution, you know? Um, so it fits really quite nicely there. And then obviously the natural part is also, you haven't even touched on the fact that, you know, CGT with it being reduced, therefore it, you can imply that it also has that effect on, on inheritance tax as well. Uh, and any, and any funds and trusts. So, you know, again, it prompts a great conversation. Uh, anybody, trustees or anybody who has done estate planning in the past to say, well, okay, so if you've got a trust in existence, where's it held? Because actually, you know, it, it might be worthwhile having, um, a, a, if investment bonds on part of that, then, you know, particularly because the rate, of, the rate of people to tax is 45%, they stick quite naturally in that, in that department. So, oh. Listen, you can tell I love an investment bond, can't you? <laughs> you do. I tell you, I put so brilliantly as well, Nicola. I tell you, and, and but the thing is, you know, you, you, when you explain it like that, you think, why did they ever fall out of favour in the first place? You know, but it, you, you, you know, and obviously there are obvious reasons why. But you know, right now, they, they, they seem to have gained favour again, and it's obviously for these reasons um, that are they're particularly good. But the fact is, you know, it's that tax advantageous mm. element of them. Um, that really brings them to the fore, but not in its own right. It has to be planned for properly. You know, you have to think yeah. it through, you know, and like you say, when somebody is high rate tax, but knowing that they will become basic rate taxpayers in the future, and that has a real, um, you know, that that's where the, you know, that you'd need to plan ahead for those sorts of things. Martin, anything else you want to add to bonds? I think we should call them Barker bonds from now on. Yeah. I definitely think so. I think exactly <laughs> nailed it, hasn't she? Yeah, so. onto something there. I like the sound of that. I think we've covered this before, actually. I think really investment bonds fell out of favour because people failed to understand them. Mm. So, you know, the new breed of advisors that came in sort of, you know, some years ago, it just wasn't in favour at the time. And, and you know, they wasn't trained to understand them. Mm. You know? And so there's there's never been anything wrong with bonds. I mean, you know, as you said, they're, they're a great tool to be able to sort of, you know, reassign them out. For example, you know, mm. so as you're taking them in a different tax bracket, you know, to some of this, they're just so flexible. They should never have gone out. So, no. yeah, Barker Crazy. bonds. I'll, I'll Barker just, bonds. <laughs> but 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 do you know what? It, it it you know going back to the point I, I was saying earlier about you know for those people with existing portfolios who might be heavily weighted towards unit trusts, for example, just because that's just how it is, you know, it, there's a conversation to be had, um, you know. So anyway, yeah, Barker bonds. Barker bonds, it is. Uh, well, there you go. We've completely reassigned that. So. <laughs> All amazing stuff. So obviously, you know, there's loads of other information. If there's, are there any other key 
elements of the of the statement from last week that we may not have covered that you you guys have uh, got on your minds about it because I think we've covered the key elements of it really you know I mean I, I, Mr Owen in his electric vehicle is going to get taxed a bit more I noticed that one as well he's not he's going to have to pay road tax now or something isn't he so that's uh, uh, but an interesting one really because they their quote really from that one I thought was quite interesting in that it's now going to become mainstream therefore you're now going to have to pay tax on it was it's kind of a bit of a non-argument really isn't it because the whole point of incentivizing people into car in electric cars was because of the tax breaks it was getting that was a, the way to get it off the ground but there you go i mean that's obviously um uh something of interest but yeah i mean you know the, the other stuff about government spending being reduced um you know household bills are obviously capped let's make sure that you know i think in planning i think this is one of those soft fat key areas i think for advisors that um you know, helping people to understand what that cap actually means to them, because it's not that you're just going to get capped at that and you won't have to pay any more. It's obviously that's based on an average bill, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I know advisors understand that, but you'll be amazed how many of your clients don't understand it and they don't understand how they get their money from the government and all that sort of stuff, all these allowances that are available. And I think this is, a, this is probably my final key sort of message on this, and I'm sure you'll probably echo this, guys, which is, um, you know, in a time like this, um, it's, it still astonishes me that um, advisors miss out on key benefits that clients are actually entitled to mm. and don't help them point them in the right direction of claiming for those allowances. And I find it really astonishing, you know, especially when you're talking about welfare as well later on in life and that kind of thing. Um, it's just one of those things that, you know, should be bread and butter to an advisor, surely. Yeah, Nicola nodding away really happily there. Yeah. Now, have you come across it a lot? Um, so, so at, oh, in my organisation, and um, particularly in the later life space, um, we, you know, before we we even advise in that space, we need to ensure that um, all allowances or the people where you know having conversations with and their families or their representatives um, understand the full gambit exactly of, of what actually is available to them such as attendance allowance and so on and so forth because it plays such a vital role so so hence my nod yeah yeah it does certainly martin your thoughts on that yeah i mean i think the most important thing john as we said is you know if we we, we need to have an understanding of all the benefits are allowable because you can easily um, unpick an allowance for someone by making the wrong financial move or, mm. or the wrong investment, moving money out of, you know, take, for example, how do you take your income from a pension, for example, can affect some sort of benefits that come mm. in. Mm. So it's so important to, whilst, you know, that's that's actually sort of a different side of the profession altogether, is mm. state benefits. And interestingly enough, you know, when, when I sort of do the seminars now and again, we, um, we do a session on state benefits. But, you know, and we start the session off by saying, you know, you're not an expert on state benefits and you can't because they change so often. Mm. But, you know, to point people in the right direction of where they can find out simple information about state benefits, because the government website can be quite confusing. You know, don't get me wrong, gov.uk is brilliant. It's a fantastic website. Mm. But if you're trying to find something, you know, particular about state benefits, it can be quite difficult. Mm. Age UK for me is always the best website for finding out information about what your what your benefits are and what what you're entitled to so yeah. that's always my go-to age uk but yeah really important as you said it's bread and butter stuff 
but so often not the first thing people think of mm. when they're putting you know new investments in place looking at how someone can take their money out and you can you know inadvertently um you know really means testing or whatever yeah absolutely i think it, the other thing is there's so many assumptions made that's that you know i should never never overlook it a the assumption that the client's already done something about it or b that they're not entitled and that is down to pure sort of you know fact finding first and foremost and secondly like you say difficult to be an expert but know your benefits it's a bit like um you know obviously we're in a in a, in a more fortuitous interest rate period now so annuity is obviously very popular at the moment and it's you know obviously things are going in the right direction but even savings accounts so it's back to knowing what your um uh you know your your, in, your tax-free interest benefits are when it comes to national savings as an example now when i was an advisor uh and it was a long time ago sorry guys well although not too much snow on the roof but at the moment it's sort of it's going a little great it, 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 it not just one of those things you know later life and all the rest of it but um but i used to carry around my um national savings guide everywhere because it's your first place to go for, for tax-free investments and what have you and obviously the rates there will be improving over the next, coming weeks and months you know and obviously people have moved to cash to a certain extent and obviously they have got this opportunity to gain um you know that bit better interest and if they can fix for a little while then that's not a bad starting point and these are benefits for clients on top of everything else that we offer them you know obviously it's not detracting you know don't move to cash just because interest rates are better because obviously it's that balance of a portfolio but it is a case of actually these are pretty solid things to look at at the moment and keep within your arsenal of what you're doing for clients yeah. yep they're, they're your staple minimum risk investments aren't they that you, you know start off with one company that must be doing well from you john is just for men with your uh, <laughs> for those for those people that are listening to this and uh, and can't actually see John, he's got very dark hair for a man of his age. I must say. Either, either that, or he's had a much lighter paper round than I have. <laughs> it was definitely a lighter paper round. I'll tell you, no, the problem with my paper round, right? Was we I used to deliver a free paper in Worcester called the Worcester Source, and some of the is anybody from that area, honestly, email me, right? We used to dump. So it's Friday night, Friday afternoon, they used to dump all these papers on your doorstep, right? And that was it. And you had your round. And of course, and I, I took on this round, unbeknownst to me, was the worst round in Worcester because it was in the richest area. Now, that doesn't sound like a hardship, but they had the longest drives. Yes. So, so, <laughs> so I was having to run up and down these flip. That's why I run marathons now, because I was having to run up and down these flipping drives. And you could, it was all practically impossible to do all of these houses in one night because there was it was such a vast area. You were only delivering to 10 houses, but honestly, God, you were you traveling half a mile for those 10 houses. No, it was crazy stuff. So yeah, no, it was um difficult for different reasons. Obviously, yours was very heavy. <laughs> <laughs> See, no come back to that one. Sorry, Martin. <laughs> Grow old gracefully, that's my motto. Right, listen, you know, <laughs> as I say, if only Just for Men was involved in this. You need <laughs> oh, I don't know. Anyway, I think that brings us to a natural conclusion. Nicola, any last thoughts from you before we uh, sign off today? Just, just to, I suppose, summarise and, and reiterate the point I made, there's conversations to be had with, with, mm. with everybody. 
so it my my counsel is you know please don't wait for folks to pick up the phone be proactive and and particularly before before um next april kicks in yeah definitely martin your thoughts yeah, I mean, proactivity is the name of the game here. I think, uh, you know, thankfully, a lot of advisors have been very proactive due to the volatility of the market, sort of, you know, with, with COVID and, and and sort of recent drops as well. But as, as Nicola's absolutely spot on, don't wait for your client to come to you when they've got a problem. You know, just uh, make sure you're on the front foot, pick the phone up. And uh, as we said, just be aware of the allowances they've got and use them. Yeah, brilliant stuff. I I have to say, I echo everything you said today. It's been a brilliant pod, and I've really enjoyed your sort of, you know, you, you, I'm sure everybody on the, who's listened to this, they've picked apart, you know, the detail, but it's actually the meaning behind the detail. And and as as both Martin and Nicola have said today, see those people. Go and see your clients. Don't be reticent about it. Get proactive. Go and see them. You will either save them a bundle or you'll make them a bundle. There is opportunities left, right and centre here to do some real good for your clients who, and they will become clients for life based on the fact that you've just gone out there and done something um, proactive and, and beneficial in a difficult, you know, and it, let's be fair about it. I think we could talk ourselves into very, very big difficulties. Um you know, people are coping. We find a way to cope, don't we? But if you've got support from a good financial advisor, I think that, you know, it's worth its weight and you'll always have them as a client after that. So anyway, a big sign off for me. Martin, Nicola, absolute pleasure. Again, thank you for turning up. And we'll, we'll, I think we'll, we'll have a December um, year-end sort of review, wind-down kind of thing. You know, hopefully Martin won't have quite the... It didn't sound like he had a handing over, to be honest. Isn't it? You won't look as grey, maybe. <laughs> you know, I tell you what, heaven forbid you get a secret Santa Martin and somebody sent you Grecian 2000. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm being bullied. Should we stop? <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, have a fabulous, fabulous weekend. And, uh, you know, uh, thank you for everybody listening. And obviously, we'll see you on the next pod. Take care.